0: This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to
1: sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar, but to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it.
0: We're going to bring you on to our huddle.
1: You are in Minnesota with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me, per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Maxine, I am fired up to announce that joining us after hell of long, way too long, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attended every single Warriors practice, shoot around, press conference, and game, and a guy whose presence off the court clearly helped turn this team from a playing casualty to a world champion. Mr. C.J. Holmes, what's going on, C.J.? Hey,
2: what up, gentlemen? What up? Uh, Glad to see y'all. To that point, though, man, I didn't do nothing but follow the story. It's been funny because all offseason I've been, uh, you know, visiting friends and checking in with people. And they're like, oh, you're a champion. You're a champion. I'm like, I didn't do anything. There's no ring on my finger. And I was able to snag one of those championship hats to, you know,
1: keep keep propped up
2: somewhere. But I didn't (laughs) do anything, man.
1: I mean, you've already handled my first question. I was going to ask, is it weird wearing a championship ring everywhere? Is it hard deciding, like, where to have the ring and when it's appropriate? But it sounds like they haven't sent it to you yet. I mean, you know, is what it is. Has anybody, has, has Steph called you to thank you for what you've done on the floor? Or no, that that's yeah, still all unsafe. It hasn't happened yet. Me and Steph had
2: zero, uh, zero communication.
1: this <laughs> Uh As it should go- be. Jokes aside. So, you know, the first time we talked to you, you were getting ready for the first season, man. You know, now you are a grizzled veteran. You, you have literally seen as far as any NBA season can possibly go. You've seen every part of it. So how is this off season different for you? Is it, are you, is the nerves gone and you're just fired to get in there? Does this feel different? Give us a little behind the scenes here.
2: Um, I would definitely say that the nerves are gone. Um, more so this offseason, it's, you know, the challenge for me is finding ways to continue to put out unique and creative content during a month where the NBA is virtually dead right now. Um, you know, outside of this, you know, Kevin Durant, ongoing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving saga out in Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, I've been uh, put my heads together with my editors this week and get a plan together and um, you know, I'm happy what I can, you know, bring to the fan base uh, this summer, i already got a couple projects I'm working on. Um, very excited about uh, this fall, getting to the preseason. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to go to Japan with the team. So oh. I'm looking forward to getting some content out there. And, uh, you know, I made it through 22 games plus postseason last year. We'll see if I can uh, make it through the full 82 and see how far the Dubs go And um, during next year's postseason, run, right? Assuming, assuming they get there.
1: Oh, don't even say that. I mean, you've also helped, uh, today will be, or this will be our daily reminder that Bram's a sick fuck. I went from like immediately associating with you to immediately being jealous of you. So like, yes, dude, like coming up with some kind of content during the off season is impossible. I almost asked a question today. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made drunk? So no, I I am, I'm definitely trying to come up with stuff. And while I was associating with you, you dropped casually i and i'll be going to japan with the team and then i immediately veered off and then i started presenting you and
2: well, what's we'll happening right so, now it's uh... dependent on if i can get my passport renewed on time if so and then uh looking forward to that if not then uh well,
1: <laughs> let me say right now then that if you don't get it renewed i take back everything i just said and i would have just been happy for you just <laughs> straightforward happy of course boys we can, we, can on a,
2: we can go on a five-day binger, one of the teams out
1: of town. I'll be ready. Who are you in this, Maxime? You hear that. You know, you hear that. I mean, CJ's are in this ride. Of course, he's going to fucking travel with the team, and he's going to do a great job doing it. When you hear him saying that, do you get jealous at all? Or no, he's earned this
3: ride, and, and good for him. I got jealous, especially because Japan is literally top of the list of destinations I want to travel to. It's like checking all of the boxes.
1: <laughs> you hear that, okay. CJ? Fuck you.
2: Hey, work's cool and all. I'm in it for the ramen. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can uh, I can tell you from personal experience, um, and this will be my last Japan take, but California is in fact the most expensive place on earth. We went to Japan. Everyone got you ready. like Careful what you're going to spend. And then we went out there and realized this place is more expensive than that. Let's get to basketball, boys, and let's start with a segment that will have me shut up for a minute. So this is the off-the-court report. Uh, If you listen to this podcast, you pay attention to the team enough where you know what happens on the court. But the advantage of having people like CJ uh, grace us with his presence is that he follows these guys off the court. He sees what the hell is happening on a daily basis. So for this segment, we tap into that. I ask him for a story that he has from anywhere, CJ, from Vegas, from the playoffs, anything. Something that you notice, and while he gives it to us, I'll shut up. What do you got, man? This is
2: kind of like a two parter. So while we're out there in Vegas for some league, the Warriors are practicing at the Las Vegas basketball center or something. And that's like 30 minutes off the strip. Um, And on one of those days out there, a couple of Warriors staffers had some people come out there and, you know, play some pickup. Right. Right. but it's, it's not, this isn't about how I perform. This is about what I saw after I was done playing pickup because the run started at like 7 a.m., right? And the Warriors are, you know, they're going to have their team practice later in the morning. But here we are, like, you know, putting on taking off our shoes, putting on our slides, you know, getting ready to you know, head back to our hotels. And, you know, in walks Guy Santos um, with one of the Warriors coaches, and he's in there getting up, getting in work before um, you know, anyone else is in there. Um, for a guy that's a second-round pick that showed some good flashes during summer league, I think that's a very promising sign. Now, I don't know if this was required of him to be there at that time, but to me it looked like a, you know, a young player put in some extra work and we talk about, you know, development and, you know, upside. Those are the minimal things you want to see. Um, So props for DeSantis, hopes for um, being able to get up early and put in the work when no one's watching. I Secondly, that. I got some time to sit down with James Wiseman um, during my time out in Vegas. And, and uh keep an eye out for a story on that in the and we plug, my channel's plug, yeah, keep an eye for a story on that uh, in the coming weeks. But um kind of just encapsulate, you know, what, how that went. It was kind of it was it was just really good. I mean, it just seems like he's in a really good place. Um, we kind of talked about you know where he was from a maturity standpoint from when he first entered the league compared to where he is now, you know, how all the adversity he went through with the injuries has made him a better person and a player. And I think he's coming into this season um with a very strong mindset you know despite you know all you know you flip on the tv go on the internet you still see people doubting this kid you know that you know he's never gonna ev- develop into a you know solid contributor on this warriors team half that battle is mental and you know based on my conversation with james alone i think he's in a very good headspace and that should serve him well heading into this season
1: why Was it the way he was answering the questions? Was it the eye contact? I mean, what what was it that led you to have some optimism?
2: It it was just the maturity and details in his responses, you know, accepting that these things have happened, but looking forward, right. Knowing that these things are being said about him, but keeping a positive, cheerful demeanor, regardless, you know, like I said, half this battle in this league is mental. It's between the ears. And A guy like James who's been through all the adversity he's been through so far in his young career, I mean, it could be enough for a guy to completely check out. So to hear and to see him being in such a good place, I think that's, that's, that's very, very, very promising to the type of season he's looking to have this year.
1: I love that. Um, of the reactions, it'd be so easy for someone like him, especially with all the criticism he's getting, to just be saying, "This isn't fair." You know, I, I didn't get a chance. I've been hurt. You know, I haven't had an opportunity. And that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, "Let me
2: and, show and granted, you." Granted, know, like, give me an opportunity. And, and same thing has been in the scrums. You know, people have asked him those questions, and he responds with a smile on his face yeah. and his chest poked out. You know,
1: I love that. I absolutely love it. And and going back to the basketball playing story. So if I played college at Auburn. And the Warriors uh, were having like an open run and I went and played. I would secretly hope the players came in so they'd see me playing a little bit. You know, just to kind of establish, yeah, I got to have some game. And I'd be looking. I'd be, I'd be you know, I'd be kind of, every time that door opened, mm-hmm. I would you know, glance over there like, oh, maybe that's somebody. So was any of that true for you? Like when, when Guy came in, where you did, did you get, you know, lace him back up and get back out there and cut it a couple more shots up or? Like oh, oh no, nah, man. I'm, I, I have nothing to prove
2: and I am a shadow of my former self. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you got you guys want to see me play, man? I got some tapes. I got some of CDs. <laughs> I was like, i can
1: send them to you, man. If you really want to see me play. <laughs> yeah. What's your email address? Because I can get that to you. Yeah, by, uh, <laughs> exactly. I by the end of the day. Yeah. Let's get to our golden questions, boys. So, CJ, you'll remember this is essentially our mailbag. Guys, write in and and give us questions. Occasionally personal, almost always deal with the Warriors. And here's our first quote. The major moves the Warriors are going to make this offseason have now been made with the additions of DiVincenzo and J. Mike and the loss of OPJ, GB2, and Nemanja. Let me pause for a second. I've never heard Jermichael Green be called J. Mike, and I, I think I like that nickname. Good for this person for going there. Picking it up where they left off, quote, when you look back at what Golden State has done with 2020 hindsight, what do you think the front office's main priorities were? And then this gentleman gave us three things to consider. Do you think they were trying to save money to lessen the luxury tax hit? Do you think they were trying to create room for young growth on the roster? Or do you think they were trying to maintain status as a champion? Why don't you take this one first, CJ? And you don't have to limit yourself to those three, but you know it's a guess—that's all it is. But what do you think the Warriors were trying to do during this offseason? You know,
2: I don't—I don't want this to be like a cop-out answer, but it feels like a little bit of all three. Yeah. You know, you let Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton the second walk, and you bring in two serviceable, cheaper options and Dante DiVincenzo and Michael Green. In terms of staying a championship contender, a lot of that—you know—a lot of that is getting younger. Right, um, you know, as long as I've said this on this pod multiple times, as long as the Warriors have that trio of Steph, Draymond, yeah. Clay together, they're always going to be championship contenders in some aspect. But in order to, you know, prolong that, you got to get young. You have, you have to bring in your young talent or give your young talent opportunity to develop. So with the departures of an auto Porter Jr., a um, Gary Payton II, that opens the door for more rotation right. minutes for Jonathan Kaminga and obviously Moses Moody. Yeah. And the main maintain status as a champion. um, You keep your big three in house. Um, You know, it sounds like now you got to keep Draymond Green happy, but we'll get to that later. And, you know, make sure Clay has a safe,
1: healthy offseason and can, you know, come back and take another step. Let me pause for a second to give you credit as a professional. So, you know, uh, giving you guys a glimpse behind the scenes before we hit record on this, we let CJ know where we were going. And a couple of the topics we're going to be talking about is Draymond Green and. Katie and Kyrie, look back at these last 30 seconds. This fool is like giving us little clues that we were going to be going there. It's just nicely played, CJ. Some professional <laughs> shit getting to the actual question. Um, I don't think it's a cop out. I think it's the answer and I'm going to agree with you. I think it's all three. So did the Warriors set out to save money? Of course they did. Um, they saved somewhere around $60 million, right? Uh, the combined 22-23 salary of Gary Payton and Otto Porter Jr. would have been 14.3. Uh, and a $52 million luxury hit. Now it's $6.3 million. So they saved a ass ton of money. And I think that was a goal. But I also think there was a baseline of, but we have to maintain our title status. You know, if, um, look at Kevon Looney. They could have saved money by not signing Loon, but they knew if they did that, they're going to take a huge step back. So Mm -hmm. they made sure they made the moves that kept them in contention while also trying to save a little bit of money. And I think that third thing, Is saving fucking flexibility. So I did a little research looking into this. And over the next three seasons, here's the contracts that are coming up: 23-24, Wiggins, unrestricted free agent. 23-24, Jordan, restricted free agent. 24, Draymond Green, unrestricted free agent. 24, Klay Thompson, unrestricted free agent. So I think that while they were trying to save a little money, it wasn't because Lacob wants to keep money in his pocket. It's because they want to have the financial flexibility to deal with the big boys as they come down the pike here, you know, and we're already seeing that with the Draymond Green apparent public negotiation. So I do think it's all three, but people have been saying all they're trying to do is save money. That's you're you're only seeing half the story. What do you think, Maxine? Where are you at?
3: I'd say you're only seeing a third of the story. I think what we're pointing out here is you can't have one of these things without the other two. I think a well-run business, forget basketball, knows that you gotta, you know, figure out how to save money to spend it when you actually need it. So I think they're doing all the right things to set them up for some for success, not just this year, but going into the future. I completely agree. It's all three. Yeah.
1: Uh, It's a good transition. I'm sure you guys didn't know we were going to do this, especially UCJ. But I want to talk to you about Draymond Green. I got some questions about him. Shocking left field. Yeah, I I knew I'd surprise you. I knew I'd surprise you. So um, over the last couple of weeks, it was first reported via The Athletic that Draymond Green has said, I want a max contract. And as I just mentioned, his contract is coming up in the 24-25 season. So I've got three questions that kind of tumble out of that. Here's my first Do you guys believe that Draymond will only accept the max on his next deal? And here's what I mean by that. So in in my job, I negotiate. We negotiate all the time. And so when you first start talking about negotiations, whatever your position up front is, you don't actually mean it. You're just establishing the floor or the ceiling. You know, if I'm buying a car, the first offer I give isn't all the money I'm going to offer. I'm just trying to start up the negotiation. And so if we put this into chronological terms, before Draymond came out and said, give me the max, we had Lakob come out via podcast and say, well, we're not the goose that lays the fucking golden eggs. You know, we're not, we're not always going to be able to, to meet everyone's demands. $500 million as a payroll cannot happen. And so, Lacob kind of established his position. Then Draymond came out. So, that first question, when Draymond said, I want a max, do you guys believe it as him establishing this is what I'm worth? This is what you'll pay me? Or do you think this is just a negotiation tactic?
2: I mean in draymond's mind I'm I'm sure that's what he wants right that's what he yeah. wants um you know I guess on the surface yeah I mean what guy doesn't want to get paid right what guy doesn't want to get paid but I do think it's more so gamesman shit on my gamesman shit yeah. on his end you know shoot for the shoot for the stars and yeah. land among the clouds kind of situation
1: yep yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, it also, if there's anyone, you, want on low earth, you don't want to lowball
2: yourself, right? No.
1: And, and he never would, you know, also of, of all the people out there who would announce I'm taking a max and if you don't give it to me, I'll leave. It's Draymond Green who would, you know, who decide like, okay, you guys really don't respect me. Then let's see where this goes. But I'm, I'm more on your side. If I had, I mean, you know, who knows the only person on earth who knows is Draymond. But when I saw this back and forth and when I read that article, I was left thinking this is more negotiation than than
3: absolutes, you know? Um, What do you think, Max? Well, so I agree, but I think it's pretty shrewd that he's doing this in public. And by that, I mean, you know, this is not something you see all that often, uh, but I think Draymond's in a specific case where actually his value to the Warriors is much higher than it is on any team. So if he's doing it in private and say, hey, I want the max." he's probably going to get a, more of a chuckle than he would if he has to do it in public where he then has the whole weight of the fan base behind him proving why he's worth this much money um, specifically to the Warriors. So, because I've, I've been puzzling, it's like Draymond's such a smart guy, he's not just going to go out and, and request this in public because he's full of bravado, right? I mean, he is and he's also a shrewd businessman. So I was thinking there's a little bit more to it and, and I think it it plays into his hand to get him more money than he might otherwise were he being requesting the max behind doors. Well,
1: that actually translates. Positions in the next question really well. So this next question is, is he worth it? You know, if if it was up to you, if you're Bob Myers, do you pay it out? And the way I've been looking at it is, how do you determine worth? Is is it the market that determines how much a player is worth? Or is it the value to the team specifically? Because there's no fucking question that Draymond Green is crazy important to the Warriors. Without Draymond Green, they are not a title contender. I feel very confident saying that. So from that analysis, whatever he wants, you pay him if you want to maintain title status. But the other side to that coin is Draymond is more valuable to the Warriors than he is to any other team. If, If he went somewhere else, he doesn't make them a title contender immediately. So I don't think he's getting a max from other teams. The market would suggest he's not worth that. So, you know, how do we look at it? How do you determine what his ultimate value is? And if I had to guess the Warriors have been so savvy that they're not going to be the ones to try to set it initially. They're going to let him go out and test this, you know, test what he can get from other teams and then react because they know it won't be that much. And I'll just say this now so that I can be hyperbolically worried. If they go that route, you know, if we're right, Draymond's just negotiating and then the Warriors play hardball and say, fuck you, go get an offer from someone else. That's when this could shift a little bit. That's when Draymond's pride could get involved, you know, and and this could become a, a more difficult negotiation uh but what do you think cj am i making sense here
2: yeah it's just it's just just a strange situation because like you said if without draymond green the warriors don't win a championship i mean i remember in what mid-march um you know everyone's like oh, just wait till draymond comes back just wait till draymond comes back i mean the fan base knows the value he brings to the team the team knows the value brings to the team but if you look at his production um you know especially coming off of injury that would suggest that he's on a decline a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, do you pay them for like nostalgia reasons or, you know, do you pay them just to, you know, show goodwill? Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, you give them a max contract now. I mean, that kind of handcuffs you to what you can do with the future. You uh-huh. know, if guys like, you know, pool coming up Thompson, like these guys, these guys are going to want to get paid too. And I, I,
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a sticky situation. Um, I don't either. So much so that I'll leave it with this cop-out. And, and the people who've listened to this podcast for a while have heard me say this a lot of times. I don't know if I've ever meant it more than I'm about to say it now. Enjoy next season. You know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how the Warriors are going to negotiate this switch, but I do feel real confident the next season is the last dance with this iteration. You know, not, not that they won't be title contenders again, but with Steph, Clay, and Draymond being the main guys and these surrounding pieces... It's not going to happen again. This is, you know, this is the one there's going to be a pretty big shift on who's out there and who's playing the biggest roles. So I'll say it again. Enjoy this. Enjoy the hell out of this. We may never have this again. So make sure that every second is uh, is recognized for the greatness that it is, you know, and, and, and we'll see. Would you pay it to him, Maxim? If Bob Myers said, "Look, did I just want to deal with this anymore, Maxime? I'm going to give you ultimate authority here. You negotiate with Draymond. Would you give him whatever it is that he demands?"
3: Uh, probably, because I'd just be terrified to upset one of my favorite players. But, but point aside. I mean, I think the question you're asking, you know, I I actually think again that Draymond is smart enough to understand that it would hamstring the team and therefore ultimately hamstring his you know, value in the history books to take the max contract. And I think, you know, he's, he's pushing this position to try to get as much money as he can, knowing that this team is really smart is going to give him what he needs. And also, you know, I'm just, I'm very convinced that the gray area um, of ways to pay players in the longer term, be it, you know, access to pre-seed, tech company valuations, all sorts of other stuff that can happen that will make sure that Draymond is taken care of in the long term. TV contracts, whatever the hell else, you know, will make up for it and we'll make sure that Draymond gets what he's owed such that he can come back in a contract that's favorable both to him and to the team to make sure that they can win at the highest level for as long as possible.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, not- there are a few, just like a final thought, there are a few players in the league who have this much value you know, to a specific team and it all doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. I think that's the biggest issue with Draymond Green. You know, if he's averaging 17, eight and eight, I mean, one can make the argument and give the man that max contract, yep, but right. the numbers just aren't, you know, they aren't necessarily what they used to be, you know, and that makes it really hard for the Warriors to make this decision.
1: I mean, the person whose opinion we need to, to complete this is staffs. You know, I mean, I, I, he has never been that guy. Steph, I mean, last year, Steph wanted Avery Bradley. They went for GP2. They made the right call and he was happy and went with it, mm-hmm. right? But if, I mean, the, the other side to that coin is they haven't come out and said it directly, but they've given us enough hints where they're saying things like, well, we've never lost together. You know, they, they, they are insinuating they would like to play together forever. It's Steph Clan Dre. Mm-hmm. If Steph comes out and says, whatever Draymond wants, pay him. Then in that instance, pay him. You know, if uh, the worst case scenario on this is Steph goes out of his way to put his neck on the line, says, this means a lot to me. The Warriors don't do it. And then suddenly the unthinkable becomes thinkable that there's like a small divide between Golden State and Steph Curry. In in that instance, I don't care. Pay Draymond anything he wants, if that's what Steph wants. And, you know, I I don't know, there there hasn't been any news on that. I I don't have any inside knowledge on it, but that is kind of a a bullet point whose information I wouldn't mind having before they make any call here, Here's our next question. Where will KD and Kyrie be playing at the end of the 2022-2023 regular season? So, you know, this story has been kicking around. It's kind of our major one during the offseason outside of moves. And it got a couple of extra pages added to it just recently. Uh, Durant came out and really underlined his trade demand and said, pick either me or this coaching staff and, uh, and GM. And then Josiah, the owner, not to be outdone, less than 24 hours later, takes to Twitter and says, quote, our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. So I imagine he thought about taking a picture of his middle finger and tweeting that out and decided, no, this pretty much communicates the same thing. You so, guys
2: seen uh, Doctor Strange, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh so said the full mites. With a broken net standing (laughs) 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 Yeah,
1: yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's exactly fucking right. Um, And so what do you think, man? If if this is you, not if this is you, what do you think is going to happen, CJ? What team do you think these guys will be playing for when the playoffs start next year?
2: Have you ever, like, had a 9-to-5 job and you wanted to get something done and you went above your direct supervisor's head to – get that thing done yeah, is sure. if you had, you know, that usually it doesn't end well nope. um, for the person who went over your supervisor's head. Um, yeah, I've even had some experience in that Avenue <laughs> um, during my younger days, uh, uh, working in this media business and did not end well for me. And um <laughs> really doesn't matter who you are. If you're Kevin Durant or, or uh, you know, some Joe Schmo that works nine to five, there's like a protocol of things and Kevin Durant violated that. And I think at this point, you know, I think at first the Nets were kind of trying to just like weather the storm and, you know, keep things on their terms and, you know, kind of just like take their time and see how this thing played out. But by Katie doing this, doing this is a strategic move to force his hand to the point where now I think they're past the point of no return. You got to deal with them now because huh. now it becomes toxic to the organization. Right. And yeah. there's, there's too many people who've been slapped in the face at this. point. Huh. So, God, where does KD end up um, – where is KD at the end of the 2022 season? I mean, I don't know, and I don't want to stir up anything, but there's only really two teams who can trade for Kevin Durant at the price that the Brooklyn Nets require and not give up too much and still remain like a contender, and that is the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors.
1: Oh, he said it, yeah.
2: <laughs> so – uh you know, we, we know about all we know of all the assets that the Warriors could, could consider moving in a potential KD deal. Um, you know, Celtics could maybe throw together a package of, um, I don't know. Let me think. Uh Jalen Brown, Derek White, Grant Williams, and four first round picks. I mean, I think that gets it done. Yeah. But um it's so crazy, it's so crazy to know. I think I think uh I think what I think would be funny is if Katie like, ends up in, like, Sacramento or something, like, against his will and just, like, they just send him oblivion for his transgressions against the high crown. But uh, he's,
1: like, he's on the G League Ignite, just destroying it. Uh, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's,
2: just, it's just so hard to tell because, don't get me wrong, every team in the league wants to crack at Kevin Durant, but at what cost? I, at I take what it? cost? Because oh. in my mind, there are only two teams in this league that could trade for Kevin Durant and remain competitive.
1: Yep. And, uh, <laughs> here, I, I will shorten this, and I'll make it a bet. I will bet you a drink. I'll bet you a pitcher of beer, uh, the beer of your choice, that All at the right. end of this, Kyrie and KD will be in Brooklyn. That's where they're going to play the fucking playoffs at the end of this. Um, And and I here's why I think that. So I, I looked up his contract, too. Over the next four years, here's what KD is contracted to play for $42 million, $46 million, $49 million, $53 million. He has not paid one minute of any of those guaranteed contract numbers for Brooklyn. And this answer from, from Joe Sy, our front office and coaching staff have my support after he said, pick one or the other, mm-hmm. screams to me, you have no leverage, motherfucker. You know, this, this isn't a scenario where you can go somewhere else next year. Like we understand you're unhappy. That's great. Also, stay in shape because we're going to see you in training camp. You know, come uh, come October. So this isn't based on any inside knowledge. It's more based on the idea that Joe Psy didn't become a billionaire by jumping into deals without leverage. And this tweet screams to me he understands exactly where the leverage is. That these guys cannot go anywhere, um, and that he's going to force them to come back. That's way more persuasive for KD than it is for Kyrie. Right? I've just kind of I've kind of lumped them together. Um, but I also, I just don't understand if you're Brooklyn, why the hell you'd want Westbrook and why they would facilitate this Lakers thing. So I think at the end of the day, I think they forced them to stay there and it's going to be the, the biggest push against it. And CJ, your take is excellent on it is if they get to the point of no return, where it's just a shit show in the locker room where everybody just hates each other. But I think that side just said in a not so indirect way. Well, I guess we'll figure it out, dude. If you guys are upset, too bad. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, Maxime, split the tie here. So I'm betting that, that that they stay put. It sounds like CJ thinks they'll go somewhere. You know, who knows where. What do you think?
3: I uh, I did some uh what are we calling it? Um uh, going behind enemy lines and checked mm-hmm. out the the net subreddit and I saw a title shift after this most recent news, You know, before you'd see sort of people defending KD and I think maybe at least not wanting to take sides. And I saw pretty much universal disdain for these actions at this point. And you know the Nets organization has to understand that at the end of the day, right? Any money that comes in is coming from those fans, and if they're universally just throwing their hands up at the situation, like you know, it just it kind of forces the hand in the same way that Kevin Durant is trying to force the hand by saying, "Hey, it's me or the coach and GM pairing." So you know, I I, I think it's a compelling point, Bram, but I just I just don't see that any way that um, that this organization can stomach what KD has done to them uh, and keep them on the team. So, you know, I think is uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. And so for me, it's the Celtics. Um, I also don't understand how the Westbrook thing could could happen um, because if I'm the Nets, I do not want that toxic asset. But I don't see anywhere else that's so keen on taking Kyrie at all. Um, and LeBron does seem to still run that organization. You know, the little GM jokes, are, I think, are real. Uh, and so you could see that happening as well. But in general, one thing that I wanted to mention while we're on this topic is that uh, I think this is going to be really interesting for what this does to the, to the next sort of CBA negotiations, right? Because you have a bunch of owners that are probably pretty pissed right now that somebody that's on the beginning of a four-year contract gets to go in and just completely blow it up. And what it does is it allows star players to kind of do their thing, whatever Right, but it sort of shifts from player player empowerment into player entitlement, and I think that's going to hurt the little guy, you know, the ones that are making the five to ten million dollar contracts, in a way that that is probably going to cause a lot of problems, and you're going to see a separation between ownership and players uh, in a way that we hadn't seen since sort of the last lockout, um, and I'm really interested to see how it plays out. I think it's going to get nasty, dude.
2: You is- know, kind of kind of piggybacking on what Maxime said, guys. I got to say something. I am all, as of, you know, as as a former athlete in my own um, pathetic rate, um, I'm all for player empowerment and guys being controlled their own destiny. But too often say we're seeing guys force their way into a situation, have an organization bend over backwards to bring in the guys to meet their needs. And then when things don't go their way, they want to jump ship. That's not fair to the franchise. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I do, I do appreciate that in today's game players have more power over their situation, but it seems like, you know, now more than ever players are beginning to abuse that power. And I feel like Kevin Durant's just the latest example of that. Yeah, what happened to toughing it out and finding a way to make it work and putting no it together? You know, yeah. just look at the Lakers. Le- LeBron put this enti- put that entire team together. Legium Le- Le- put that entire team together. But when it when it doesn't go right, it's everyone else's fault except LeBron right. James, right? right? They've made Russell Westbrook scapegoat, and don't get me wrong, you know, there are a lot of reports out there about Russ's attitude and, you know, the way he is in locker rooms, and I understand all that, but the Lakers' biggest issue last season was defense. Yeah, Russell Westbrook contributed to some of their issues, but he wasn't the biggest issue. And if you listen to the radio or go online, you would think that Russell Westbrook was, like, the biggest issue on that team. And that's not true. And now all of a sudden you're looking for a way to get rid of Russ when Russ was the the person you handpicked to come in. Yes, yes, And that's just, you know – that's why um, Dar- Darwin Ham, the new Lakers coach, I really appreciated their, you know, report of a quote saying, you know, we're going to find a way to make it work because that's the mentality that's missing from today's game. <laughs>
1: make it work. Find a way to make it work. Yeah. Also when Darvin Ham gave that quote, Russell Westbrook was in the back of the room watching him. I don't I don't know if he had any choice. Like he had to say a little, some positive, a little red dot.
2: A little red dot yeah, hell yeah. Right?
1: Like, fuck this. Like looking at him hella closely. Um, working backwards. Oh, there's gonna be a big shift in the CBA. We like when A D forced his way out of New Orleans with years left, that was the beginning of this problem you know, when, when he didn't necessarily have leverage because he still should be able to play there, but was still able to dictate the next place he played Mm -hmm. this with Kevin Durant is way worse than that. They gave him a four-year extension. He hasn't played one minute of, and he's demanding a trade out right now. There is no way a group of billionaires looks at that and says, yep. Let's keep this status quo. There's no fucking way. There's none. And so they've got to live by it now because that's the agreement. But the next time they sit back for a CBA, all of this is going to shift. And then finally, the idea of it being a shitty locker room. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I certainly have. Have some disagreement with a close friend. You know, we have some night where we fight about something or some shit. Then we don't see each other for a while. And the next time we see them, I just pretend like nothing's happened. We never address it. We just, we just like, Oh, Hey, and we talk about something else. Yeah. That's what I would do in that locker room. I'd allow enough time to go by. You know, we, we never call nothing, nothing, nothing. Then the beginning of October, Katie comes in. I'm like, Oh, it's great. To, you look like you're in such great shape. You know, let's get it this year and then hope that we could just move on. I am that passive aggressive. I think I could pull it off our last topic. And it's the personal one. And it comes from me, uh, CJ. This last weekend, I found myself in Austin. My wife and my kid went out there. My mother-in-law lives out there now. Mm -hmm. And so we were there for three or four days, and I brought some Warriors gear. Um, And one day, I was wearing both a Warriors hat and a Warriors shirt at the same time. And my wife gave me endless shit. Two things, she said. One, anybody who doesn't play for the team should not be wearing both a hat and a shirt at the same time. You're just doing too much. And then two, we're not in California, asshole. We are in Texas. The Warriors don't play here. You should not be wearing gear from another team in a different state. So I need some opinions, boys. You know, is she right on either? Start with that first one. It, is it ever appropriate if I don't play for the team to be sporting both a shirt and a hat of, uh, of a franchise? Well, in my
2: fraternity, we have this thing called I'm a I'm the man of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Let me just plug the frat real quick. But in my frat, we have this thing called you don't double up. So like you don't wear like a frat shirt and a frat hat to the function, <laughs> right? But that's the frat, you know. In real life, it don't matter. Like I used to pull up the FedEx field, rocking, rocking a Washington hat, a Washington shirt, like Washington camo, and and um, you
1: know, like, like go into the game, take man. it out of okay. Well, go into that. the here game.
2: It doesn't, it shouldn't matter if you're going somewhere else either. I mean, I was just out in Vegas. I see. I saw a dude like in like full Dallas Cowboys gear. I saw a person in (laughs) like full Bengals gear. Fandom travels. You should be proud of that.
1: Let's go, CJ. I can tell you that this is like a personal issue for me. Rewind this like six or seven years ago. I was hanging out with a friend Mm -hmm. and I was wearing the same deal. I doubled up to use your, the the frat's language. And the guy asked me, I would imagine, uh, not I would imagine, sarcastically, are you a Warriors fan? And it hella bothered me, you know, like it's been like six years and like that question still resonates and I fucking hate that guy. So I, I, I'm I, a little self-conscious about it. Uh, Maxine, would you ever double up?
3: No, no. And it's more of a personal thing, you know, just you, like in terms of aesthetics. I don't think it's a very good look, but uh, but hey, to each their own. I mean, the thing is also true. I feel like you're you're more entitled to show up to a different state. With warriors gear especially because we just won a championship right but it's like it it it's a badge of honor and it's also a little bit scary you know especially if you're in, like austin doesn't have an nba team but if you go to dallas or like for example i was i was in portland recently and um, that was also a little bit concerning too, because there's a lot of transplants, and I think there's a lot of discontent. In the same way that I feel like there was in Austin, so at a certain point, I took off the gear not because I felt uncomfortable um, about like showing off my fandom, but because I didn't want them to assume that I was a transplant coming into their environment and like bringing my California money into their Portland scene or whatever. So, um, you know, I don't I don't have an issue in terms of a fan base, but I think you've got to tread lightly when you're moving into one of the spaces that is the most. Uh, California take them. Everyone I saw, I like, just offered them money to buy their house. I was like, I'll buy that shit from <laughs> you
1: right now. I hope that fucks up your, your cost of living. Um, no, I mean, they also, they saw like that transitions. Is it okay to wear shit in a different person's state? Uh, so I can say like, if it was in Houston, not Austin, different analysis, you know, wearing warriors gear in the Rockets backyard is like going to a, a guy named Joe's birthday party with a shirt that says, fuck Joe, you know, like it's, it's its own kind of aggressive move. Austin doesn't have its own team, you know? And so, I firmly, I, I, I would wear a Warrior shirt in Houston, although I'm an asshole. In Austin, I don't think it makes me an asshole. I think you're allowed to bring, you know, there's no specific team, so you should be able to rock anything you want. Where are you on that, CJ? Yeah, fandom travels, man.
2: For sure. <laughs> For sure, man. I'm, every state I've lived in over the years, always, like, find some time to rock my, like, gear from back home. I mean, I don't see an issue with that.
1: I'll tell you, rep, You rep where you're from. <laughs> Maxime, close this out. You ever done it? You've been out of state wearing Warriors gear?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's, what this makes me think of is the Patreon crew, right? Our our Patreon group is uh, intern international, you know, and we know that they're out there repping gear no matter where they are, Florida, Australia, and everywhere in between. So I think it's just a testament to how hard. And actually, I saw, speaking of Reddit, I saw a a poll for the demographics of the Warriors subreddit and like 90% of them were not based in California. So the Warriors, you know, I mean, it's the Steph effect, right? Like it was the Kobe effect, the LeBron, LeBron effect. Um, We're out there. We are international, you know? I say, Hey, you know what? Like if you're, if you're listening and you're not based in California and you wear Warriors, Gail hit, hit us up. Huddle at WarriorsHuddle.com. Let us know. We want to know where everybody's at wearing their exactly gear. Right.
1: But don't double up. Never wear two at the same <laughs> no, time. No. That's just <laughs> preposterous. CJ, we appreciate you, man. I, I love having you on here. I am sure I am not alone for people who need far more CJ Holmes in their life. Where do they go? Uh, you can find me on Instagram
2: and Twitter at homes 22
1: Boom. Uh, For us, you want to get us a golden question, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Shoot us an email. You just heard the address. We won't double down on it. Our lone source of social media is Twitter. There we are at Warriors Huddle. And then a random announcement going into next year, we're going to be starting up a YouTube channel. So you'll be able to see our smiling faces. Um, I can guarantee you they are ready for radio. So my my apologies in advance. We've got some other follow-up announcements, but I'll save those for next week. With that in mind, go Warriors! Hopefully, we'll see you real soon.
0: Good, good.